Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. We ask you to guide, lead us as we examine it, and let us see what you would want us to see from this. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Job 21 is where we're going to be. Zophar has just basically told Job, I'm listening to what you said. I've heard you. I don't really believe you. You may be innocent, but uh, we know that God judges evil and bad things are happening to you. Uh, so therefore, you must be evil. <laughs> and he said, God doesn't, and evil people are not blessed. And sin, sin is sweet in the short run, is what Zophar had been saying to Job. Yep. All right, so Job 21, starting at verse 1. But Job answered and said, Hear diligently my speech, and let this be your consolation. Suffer me that I may speak, and after that I have spoken, mock on. As for me, it is my complaint to man, and if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? Mark me and be astonished, and lay your hand upon your mouth. Even when I remember, I am afraid, and tremble, trembling take hold on my flesh. Wherefore do the wicked live, live, become old, yea, are mighty in power? Their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull genders the, and fails not, their cows calve and cast not her calf. They send forth their little ones like flock, like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for, for we desire not the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Lo, their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. We're going to stop there because that's just right there. <laughs> so Job, Job is answering Zophar. Zophar has said that the wicked don't prosper and that God judges, judges evil. So this is Job's answer back to him. Job says, I'm old enough to know better. And, this is, and he does it very poetically. And it says, hear diligently. And in Hebrew, it says, hear, hear. All right, and this word for hear is hear and obey, hear and listen. So he's saying, listen to me, and he's saying it very emphatic, listen to me, listen to me. All right, uh, and uh, he says, listen to my speech and let this be your comfort or your musings, uh, your, your understanding. And then he says, suffer that I may speak, and after I have spoken, mock on. In other words, he's saying, shut up for just a few minutes and let me talk. <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying. And then you can, after I'm done saying my piece, go ahead and keep mocking. Uh, it's kind of being very blunt here. He's going, you're making, you're making fun of me. You're, you're not really listening. And we've all been there where somebody is not listening to what we say. All right. And we, we think we're being clear and they just... They're already thinking about what they're going to say in answer to what they think we're going to say. And basically, Job is just saying, listen for a few minutes. When I'm done, you can say whatever you want, but at least I want my, <laughs> want my say. And he goes, as for me, this is my complaint to man or my musings. In other words, his, 
as he's talking to these people and going, I'm not musing to you. I am sharing with God. And this is something that is very interesting. The world looks at it, and many Christians even look at it, that we can't complain even to God. I mean, if I'm going to complain, I want to complain to God because he's the only one that can do something about it. And he already knows anyway, so it's not a surprise if I complain to him. And this is Job's answer. He goes, I've been complaining to God. You guys are you know, doing all this stuff. My complaint is to God. And I'm musing to God. And if it says, if it were so, why should my spirit be troubled? So he's going, I'm God. He's vacillating. He understands that God is in control. We've seen this all through. He's understanding that God is in control. He's told his wife, shall we accept good from God's hands and not bad? He understands the theology that he has to deal with, and yet at the same time, he is struggling with it like we do. When bad things happen to us or appear to be bad things happening to us, we all start with the same argument. I don't know what's going on. Now the question is, how fast do we go to what God says? God, I'm going to trust you. You have a plan. Job is vacillated back and forth. He's been hit hard. that has ever walked with God that I can ever think of. Because he's had everything stripped away from him, including his health. He's left his wife, Annette, speaking this whole time, and he's struggling with all of this, what he knows to be true, and yet what he expects to be true, and also struggling with his own doctrines, because he is pretty much a prosperity gospel person himself. He believes that if you honor God, you will be blessed, so he doesn't understand why he's not being blessed. And his friends aren't helping him any, because he's already struggling with this. And this is why we need to be very careful when we are dealing with somebody who's going through hard times. Because it is hard to teach and instruct them when they're going through a hard time, if they already don't believe that God's got a blessing for them in the first place. And I learned this, I've said this many times, I learned this the hard way when I was in my 20s because Romans 8.28 is such a comfort to me and I told that to somebody, you know, you know, all things work together for good. I thought they were going to decapitate me uh, because they were angry. They were already in a bad place and they really didn't believe God's word and me giving them God's word did not help them. And there's times to say it, I mean, there's times to say and times not to. But I be very careful to make sure I listen to God on those ones because if they're not believing Scripture, and it's hard when you're in the middle of a trial to believe that all things are going to work together for good. Unless you believe it going into the trial. And, you know, that God is sovereign, taking it, you know, God turns the hand of the king in whichever way he wants him to go. God is sovereign. There is no leader in place unless he allows that leader, even in our democratic system there is not a leader in place that god has not said is going to be <laughs> that leader so and it's hard and god dealt with me on back several decades when i was upset with a particular president that i couldn't stand and god says are you praying for him i'm going no i don't like him i want him i want him out of office and <laughs> you know and yet i understood i was supposed to pray for him and it is difficult it is difficult when where something has happened want to deal with we don't want to see we don't care about <laughs> bad in our life we're going god i don't understand it and we get enough distance between the problem and the solution that god gives us and all of a sudden we can look back and say oh god you did have a reason for this you did have a plan for this and 
but until we've had that happen a few times, we don't really truly believe it enough to grab hold of that scripture in the middle of the trial. And those trials keep getting harder the more we believe and, and test us. And Job had a really hard to go trials because the doctrine comes easier to hold on. And verse says, 5 says, Mark me and be astonished and lay your hand on your mouth. In other words, look at me. <laughs> be amazed at what's going on or astonished. Uh, you know, he's actually, he says, I'm desolate. In, in the Hebrew, he's saying, I'm desolate. Look at me, I'm desolate. And then he says, put your hand on your mouth. Yeah. This is now the time he's told him to be quiet and listen to what's going on. And in this case, it literally means to put your hand on your mouth. You know, quit speaking. You know, he says, cover your mouth in case you, if you can't keep quiet, put your mouth, hand in front of your mouth and stay quiet. Uh, Job is being very forceful on this particular start of this, this uh, speech that he's making. Verse 6 is, even when I remember I am afraid and trembling takes hold of my flesh. When I recall, I am dismayed and anxious. You know, he's saying, I, when I'm remembering all, and he's thinking all that he had and now all that he does not have. Uh, he's, and he had wealth, and he doesn't, now he doesn't have wealth. He had health, now he doesn't have health. He had kids, now he doesn't have kids. And he's going, when I remember everything that has been happening, he says, I start trembling. And I can understand this. This would be a big deal to him, especially when, some, when he believes that when you obey God, you get blessed. And when you disobey God, then all hell breaks loose. And he's saying, all hell broke loose in my life. And I have not been disobedient to God. And this has been his story the whole way through. And it is the right story because what was God's testimony of him to Satan? He is an upright man that hates evil. Nothing that's happened to Job is deserved. It's all there because Satan said, if you judge it, if you take away his stuff, he'll curse you. And God says, okay, give it a try. And this is a bizarre pattern when we think about it. All that Job goes through is only because Satan said, if you take it all away from him, he'll curse you. And God had confidence and said, no, he won't. Go ahead and, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and try and see. And Job gets to go through a period of hell on earth just because Satan said, if you do this, he'll curse you. See, that would be kind of hard to understand when God knows what he's doing, like and we know now, but he didn't know. No, Job didn't know. Yeah, Job didn't have the first two verses, chapters of the book and to him. To me, that would be kind of confusing. It's excruciating. His belief is if you honor God, you get nothing but blessings. So he is struggling with this because if you read his answers, he says, yes, I understand that what you're saying is true, but I have not been bad. I don't deserve what's going on. So this whole thing has got a double-sided coin to this. Satan is learning a lesson that he can't just make Job you know, curse God. Job is learning a lesson that the doctrines he believes are not correct. And God oftentimes will put us through hard times to prove what we believe. Either prove that we do believe it or prove that what we believe is not correct. And this is what he's doing with Job right now is proving to, what, to Job that this prosperity gospel he's believing in is not correct. And this is the thing about it. In the long run, everything works together for good 
going to be blessed again. God's going to give him twice as much as was taken. His doctrine is now going to be corrected because he's now going to understand that every blessing is of God and not by grace and mercy, not because it's earned. So it's going to be a great turnaround when everything works out. In the midst of it all, it's hard. And Job is having a hard time. His wife is having to learn. His friends are having to learn. And all of this is going to be a really hard thing. He goes, when I remember all that's happening to me and all that I've lost, I'm trembling. I'm shaking at it. And then he goes, then he starts out in this very interesting thing. Remember, Zophar has set this up with the, bless, the, the evil get, get uh, cursed. So he starts out, wherefore do the wicked live to become old, and yea, they are mighty in power. Zophar, you've said that God judges them, and yet they get old, and they're in positions of authority, and they get, get all kinds of power, and he goes, you're, he's basically telling Zophar, you don't understand it. Now, he's starting to begin to realize himself that the evil aren't always judged immediately, and that the righteous are always blessed immediately. He's, he's starting to put this together. And then he goes, their seed is established in their sight with them and their offspring before their eyes. And it says, not only they are blessed or appear to be blessed, he goes, their whole family is blessed. They're established. They're secure. Nobody is beating them up. He goes, I have been honoring God and I have been beat up and I have lost everything. Those wicked people still have all their stuff. They still have their houses. Their family is secure. He hasn't lost anything. I've lost everything. They haven't lost anything. Uh, I, they don't appear to have lost anything. Now again, he's only half right because he doesn't fully understand their heart and their positions, but he is kind of looking around and saying, God, that guy over there, he's cheating everybody. He's, he's stealing from people. He's taking advantage of people, and he is blessed. And this is his statement to Zophar. Um, he says, their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Because remember, one of the things that happened is that the storms hit his kid's house and tore it apart with a tornado or dust devil or whatever it was. It blew their house down, the, the robbers, the fire of God. Uh, he's lost his health and he goes, their houses are safe. Nothing's happening to them. And this other one, it says, the rod of God is not upon them. Now, this is kind of an interesting statement because as we get further into the scriptures, we understand that the lost people do not get the rod of God. He does not give them spankings because they're not his children, technically. Yes, he's the creator. Yes, he's the ruler. Yes, he's the master. But they are not part of his family. So he is not going to give them spankings. Now, he does not make their life easy as much as we think he does. But he says they're not getting discipline. So he's actually still thinking, I'm being disciplined for something. I have no idea what I'm being disciplined about. But these other people aren't being disciplined. They're not getting the rod upon themselves. He goes, they're bull genders or impregnates and fails not. And their cows cast forth their, cast forth their calves. You know, they, 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 the bulls are impregnating the cows and the, cow, uh, the, the, the cows and the cows are giving birth. <laughs> The cows aren't ceasing to give, you know, get, do this, and the, uh, the bulls aren't ceasing to do this, the cows aren't ceasing to do this, and he could have gone to every other, other, other one of the animals. He goes, 
they are increasing. Every time I turn around, they're having more, more things in their flock, and I just lost my entire flocks. I have nothing to even begin with, and this wicked are still growing. He's got a valid complaint. We hear this all through the scriptures. You know, David said, why did the heathen rage and, the, and everybody seems to be doing good when he's not doing good? And we hear it over and over. God, why? Why do the wicked seem to prosper when you say they're going to be judged? And this is what I've said so many times is we cannot judge what we see Number one, we, we're not seeing correctly in most cases. We don't know what's going on in their hearts. Number two, God does not close the books until they stand before him at the white throne judgment. And then they will definitely get what they deserve at that point in time because of their rejection of him. And yet we look at them and say, God, it sure looks like they're doing good. They're on the mansion at the top of the hill with millions of dollars and five cars and servants and... They've got everything and they don't care about you. And we think, well, they've got everything. And, you know, they're, they're happy. Usually they're not. They're not happy with everything they get. And Job is making this argument with them. He said, you know, they've got everything. Why, why wouldn't they be happy? He goes, they send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance or leap. In other words, their children look to be good. They're sending them out in groups. They're... They, they're He's got, they've got a large family. He, he had a large family. He had nine children at the, before this all happened. Uh, seven boys and, a, and two girls. And, and he goes, these, these people that are evil, they've got large, large families. The kids are all out there playing and having fun and, and no problems in their lives. <laughs> and you can hear the bitterness kind of in his thing, you know, and he's making a point so far, you don't know what even you're talking about. You said that, Wicked always get judged. And I'm going to make a point that there's all kinds of people out there that, that are wicked that don't seem to be getting judged. They take the timbrel and the harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. In other words, they're partying. They got the tambourine, the harps, and the flutes, and they're, they're out there just having a good time. Everybody is enjoying life. And this is Job in his bitterness looking around and saying, God, I don't have anything. I've been honoring you. And they have everything. They're partying, they're dancing, they're, his flocks are getting larger, their house is secure, there's no trouble, they're not being beat up for their sins. They're, and you know, you, we've all probably been there at some time you know, when we've had some troubles and we look around and going, God, I've been following you. Why am I having so much trouble? And that person over there does not have any troubles at all. This is Job's, Job's complaint on this. He says, they spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. And this is where he starts getting into this. He goes, God, they wear out their days in wealth and in a moment they die. Now, Job is kind of a little upset at this point because what is he really probably wishing at this point? God, I just wish I was dead. And he said this on a couple of places. You know, I'm, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much despair Gonna, could you just take my life? He's not going to curse God to die, but he is kind of, he has been wishing to die. And he says, these evil people, they, they, they do all this evil their whole life, they wear out their life, and then all of a sudden they go to the dead, go to the grave. They don't suffer. They didn't, they didn't go into sickness. They didn't, they didn't suffer. They just, in a moment, died. And, you know, he's saying, you know, God, you're, you're making my life miserable. I'm wishing I was dead. 
and you just take their life in a, in a, in a moment. It goes, therefore they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of your ways. And this is very interesting. He says that they do not want to know God. They're telling God, you know, bluntly, at least from Job's perspective, we're not interested. And if you've done any, wit any amount of witnessing, you get a lot of people that have no interest in God whatsoever. At least that's what they say. You know, why should I follow God? Why, why would I do this? And this is Job's complaint. He's going, God, these people are, are like that. They say they don't want to know you. And then the verse 15 is most interesting. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? And I've heard this statement from many, many people. Not exactly this one, but why should I turn to God? What profit would I have? And usually what they're thinking of, I'd have to give up my party, my drugs. You know, they're, they're thinking about all the things they think they have to give up to follow God. And yes, they will give up things for following God, but not because of demands, but because of their love for him. And yet they'll be looking at him, and I've heard this over and over. Well, I can't be good enough, or I don't want to be good enough, and I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that, whatever this and that are. Uh, and because they're so afraid that to follow God, they're going to lose their worldly fun at least what they think is fun. And I find it so interesting, the longer I walk with God, the less I see the world as having fun and the more I realize that I end up having fun with God, doing things his way and not following into the consequences. And I look at everything that the world puts out there and plays with and says this is wonderful and I'm going, why do people fall for what these lies are? And this is what he's saying, he goes, they're looking at him. What profit is there to follow God? And, and in their sentence, he can understand that that is. They have a nice house. They have their, they have their family. They have their flocks. They, they seem to be secure. They're not necessarily happy, but they're also looking at, well, what more can I get? You know, and they're not understanding that what they really need, they don't have. What we really need is God in our life and yet, when you seem to have everything, you don't want what you need. Even because you don't recognize it. You think you have everything that you want. And Job is not recognizing it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You think you do. Job's not recognizing it necessarily. He just says they also seem to have everything that they need. All right? And, and Job's in a sad place right now himself because he's looking at all these people that have what, what he was actually happy with because he was actually happy with God. And he had all the blessings as well. So he probably got to a place where he associated the blessings with his happiness instead of with God. So this whole thing of losing it is also going to help him understand that he needs God as his blessing. And I've said this many times. We need to be careful when we're being blessed of God that we don't start looking at the blessings instead of the blesser. And we need to be always keeping our mind that God is the one who gives and supports and benefits us because it is easy to slip into look how blessed I am everything is good you know, I'm following God and and nothing's going wrong and the next thing things are going wrong and we have to be careful about that 
Verse 16, Lo, their good is not in their hand, and the counsel of the wicked is far from me. How oft is the candle of the wicked put out, and how how oft comes their destruction upon them? God distributes sorrows in his anger. They are as stubble before the wind, and as chaff before the storm carries away. God lays up his iniquity for his children. He rewards him, and he shall know it. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what pleasure has he in his house after him when the number of his months is cut off in the midst? Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judges those that are nigh? One dies in the full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dies in bitterness of soul, and never eats with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them. All right, so here he's going on. He's getting a little more negative about them, and he's starting to understand that they're going to face judgment as well. And so he's showing that some seem to go through life with all these pleasures, but eventually they will get judged. He goes there. He goes low in verse 16. Their good is not in their hand, and the counsel of the wicked is far from me. In other words, they are not in control. Job is understanding a little bit about what's going on here. He goes, nobody is in control. And this is something that has been said over and over again. Control is just an illusion that you may think you have. If you think you're wealthy enough to buy control, you think you're powerful enough to buy control, it's all just an illusion. Because who is in control? God. And said it many times, you know, Jesus gave the parable of the, the uh, farmer who harvested his crops and he didn't have enough room to put it in his barns. And he said, what will I do? I've got too much stuff. And instead of giving it away and helping the poor, he goes, I'll tear down my bar- barns and I'll build newer, bigger barns and put my stuff. And then God said, you fool, this day will your soul be required of you. We are not in control and we need to recognize it. And this is what Job's saying. We are not in control. Our, even our good is not in our control. And he says, the wicked is far, you know, ex- distant from me. How oft is the candle of the wicked put out and, how, and they come to their destruction and upon them. God distributes sorrows in his anger. And he's basically starting to say, you know, the candle, the, the life, how quickly is it extinguished? And, and they are not in control and the destruction comes upon them because God sends it. And this is where he's at in his life right now. He's thinking somehow God has distributed sorrows on me and he goes, I don't understand why. He's still not fully understanding, but he is also understanding that just because somebody appears to have everything going their way does not necessarily mean they're in control. He's beginning, he's beginning to get the glimmer of God's truth as he speaks. He goes, they are stubble before the wind and, and as chaff, the storm carries them away. And this is the good that he's talking, you know, the, the bad people. He's starting to realize God is still in control. When he's ready to, to take from them, everything just suddenly can end, just as it did for him. You know, he was wealthy. And apparently when you read this, it means it looks to that he lost all of his wealth in the matter of minutes. You know, it, the reports all came to him. And then Satan went back another week or so. He's now losing his health. 
And now he's been dealing with his nice friends and we know there was a week there where they actually did what they were supposed to and sat and cried with him instead of trying to, uh, well, they're going to say comfort, but criticize, <laughs> uh, criticize him. So this all happened very quickly in his life. It wasn't a long period of time where all this happened. It was like one, two, three, four, you know, and the next thing you know, he doesn't have life and he doesn't have health. You know, he doesn't have wealth and he doesn't have uh, uh, health. So all of this is happening. And it says, God lays up his iniquity for his children. He rewards him and he shall know it. And note this, he lays up his iniquity for his children. God does not discipline those that aren't his. Now, that doesn't mean there's no consequences. We always have the law of sowing and reaping. When we do things, we will reap the consequences for what we do. So if somebody does things, they will eventually reap the consequence for that evil. When we sow good seed, we will eventually reap the consequences or the rewards for good. But God actively disciplines his children beyond just the laws of reaping and sowing, he actively will take his children and say, now this is what we're going to do. Just like for us, we're not going to go out and spank the neighbor's child for his disobedience, but we would spank our child for disobedience. You know, no, you are not going to do this because you are in my family and you are representing our family what what everybody else is doing i don't you know i used to tell my kids this all the time i don't care what anybody else is doing it doesn't matter i don't care if everybody else is doing something wrong you're not and so this is what job is saying here he says god disciplines his children he says his eyes shall see his destruction and he shall drink the wrath of the almighty his children will see and also those that are evil will see destruction eventually. And this is where we can sit back in great comfort. God always brings the judgment due eventually. And we've, you know, we, we look at this, and I've said this several times, you know, a farmer who's planting seeds, if, he, if he's trying to figure out if he's making money, the day after he plants his seeds and plant, you know, puts out the fertilizer, uh, and he says, okay, well, what a... What a lousy businessman I am, I'm down $20,000. Know, well, that's not the time to be looking at whether you're up or down. You know, in the middle of the summer, while the, while the crops are growing, that's not the time to be looking at whether you've made, made a good investment. When do you look at the investment? After you've brought in the harvest, you've sold the harvest, or put it away. Now you look at it and say, okay, I did, did well. I, I harvested more than I you know, I, I brought in more than I invested. God does not close the books until we end our life, our life is over. And then he starts bringing out the, the balance sheet and said, okay, you accepted me or you rejected me and decides from there. And we need to keep that in mind when we are upset that somebody's appearing to be blessed who doesn't deserve it or when we are being you know, apparently cursed when we don't deserve it, that's not the time to be looking at it because the long run is what will be happening when I die? Where are they going to spend eternity? Where will I spend eternity? And this is the important thing as we look at this is that there's a great blessing in obedience at some point. 
usually, and I've said this over and over again, usually even in this lifetime, but definitely in eternity, there's going to be the blessing for obedience and the destruction for those who aren't obedient. And he goes, his, uh, verse 21 says, For what pleasure has he in his house after him when the number of his months is cut off in the midst? In other words, what pleasure is there in death? You know, this guy may have everything, literally may have everything, but when he's dead, will he take any pleasure in what he's, what he's done? Answer, no. You know, if he doesn't have an eternity that he has put his treasures in heaven with, he has no, 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 you know, I've got the biggest, best house that has ever been created. I've got plenty of money, but when I die, that house doesn't mean anything to me anymore because you're now facing God in eternity. And this is what he's realizing. This is they, these evil ones who have everything, when they die, they don't have any pleasure left in what they have. And when the number of his months is cut off in the midst, in other words, I, their, their life is over. He goes, shall any, and I love this one, shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judges over those that are on high? Go, who is going to teach God? I find it so funny when people say, well, and I've heard people literally say this, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God off. I'm going, you are nuts. <laughs> you know, Job, Job says nobody's going to teach God. God knows everything. He knows things from the beginning to the end, so he already knows what's best for us in the first place, even when we don't understand it. Job does not understand what's going on in his life, even though he's going to find out that this was the best thing that could have happened to him. This short-term destruction, turning his life upside down, shaking it up to bless him afterwards with a new knowledge of who God is. He doesn't see this at the moment. And we, if we were in his place, we probably wouldn't see it either. All we would know is, man, God, you know, would you quit shaking me around and turning my life upside down and emptying all my pockets and, you know, God, this is terrible. But he doesn't understand all that. He doesn't understand any of this that's going on. He understands you can't teach God. He understands that he really can't even complain to God and that God has some purpose even though he doesn't understand it. Because uh, that's what he told his wife from the very beginning. You know, shall we accept good from God's hand and not evil? And so he already understands this whole idea that God does what he wants to do. And it's our job just to accept whatever God sends our way. But he's still struggling with the idea that when I do the right thing, I'm supposed to be blessed. <laughs> All right, so he, his doctrines are getting in the way. He's got two doctrines that don't necessarily mesh very well. And he doesn't know really how to work this out, so God is teaching him on, on, through all of this. And he goes, One dies in his full strength, being holy at ease and quiet. And this is kind of an interesting statement that he says, One dies and he's strong. He's not sick. He's at peace. There doesn't seem to be, at least from his perspective, they don't seem to be upset. They don't seem to have problems in their life. And they're whole. They're uh, secure. And he goes, I don't understand that. There's nothing wrong in their life. And he goes, and then he goes, his breast, which is the wrong, wrong definition, his pails are full of milk and his bones are 
are moistened with marrow. In other words, he's got plenty. He's got milk everywhere. I mean, he's got more milk than he knows what to do with. His, his bones are healthy. They're not brittle. They're not being broken. He's very healthy. This is that person he's saying is so good. Doesn't even need to be good. He's just saying he's got, he seems to be blessed. Everything seems to be blessed in his life. And it says another one dies with the bitterness of his soul, never eating with pleasure. And he goes, one is strong. And this is the way life is. Sometimes we look at it and say, God, why did that person die? They were in the prime of their life. Everything was going, going good for them. Why did they die? And then we're going to look at another person and go, God, they, they must be happy that they're dead. Nothing. They didn't have anything. They, kept, they were hungry all the time. They never had anything. Job is saying this very thing. He goes, God, I don't really understand this. They go, some are healthy, some are good, some are, some are sickly. And then he goes, they shall lie down alike in the dust and worms shall cover them. All right? He goes, both of them eventually die. And when they die, they become worm food. And so he's understanding this, that eventually both those that are blessed, apparently, and those that are cursed, apparently, will both die and their bodies will disintegrate. And he's trying to come to this understanding of why. Why can the good, strong die and then we have somebody who's weak and sickly and they die? And he's trying to get this, grasp hold of this. You know, before he would have said well, the, the strong were, and healthy were, were blessed by God and those that were weakly and sickly were cursed by God. But he's understanding, hold it, now I'm one of the weak and sickly I didn't disobey God, so why is this going on? Maybe some of the strong and healthy, and he knows that some of the people that have cheated him, and he's thinking about how some of them cheated him, and they're going, and they're still apparently blessed. He's struggling deeply, as all of us do. We've all looked at somebody and gone, God, why? How come that person seems to be doing so good? They cheat everybody. They steal. They, they, they you know, manipulate this other person, they don't have anything and they're so nice and kind and, and good. And then we see it both ways. Some of the people that are blessed are good and kind and, and godly and some of the people that are, and we're going, God, it just doesn't make any sense. This is what Job is saying. He goes, from the way I'm seeing it, God, none of this makes sense. I don't understand all of what's going on. And he's, this is his accusation to Zophar because Zophar, the last chapter said, you know, Look, Job, the wicked get cursed and the, and, the, and the righteous get blessed. And he's saying, no, they don't. <laughs> and this is something we, when we're witnessing to some people, we need to be very careful how we phrase it because if we're trying to make it sound like, you know, the wicked get cursed and the righteous get blessed, they're going to look at us and go, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And I know all kinds of people who aren't doing good as Christians. And we need to be very careful because the lie that we have is just that in America, especially. That turn to God and everything goes good. Well, you know what? We're an, we're an enemy of Satan and things don't go good for most Christians constantly. Now, we know God is in control, so we stay at peace if we're, if we're really focused on him. But it's not that everything goes perfect. It's that I trust God and he is in control. And uh, 
In verse 27, Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which you wrongfully imagine against me. For you say, Where is the house of the prince and where is the dwelling place of the wicked? Have you not asked them that go by the way? And do you not know their tokens that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction and shall be brought forth to the day of wrath? Who shall declare his way to his face and who shall repay him for what he has done? Yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. The clods of the valley shall be sweet unto him. Every man shall draw after him as there were innumerable before him. How they then comfort you me in vain, seeing that your answers, there remains falsehood. All right, so here he's going, he's, How, therefore, how then comfort you me in vain, seeing that your answers, there remains falsehood. Okay. All right. So here he's going on where he says, Behold, I know your thoughts, your purposes, your devices, which you wrongfully imagine against me. So now he's talking about Zophar at this point. He's going, I know what you think. You are judging me and you're judging me incorrectly and wrongly. And this is something that is really an interesting thing that people will do so often when they stand before people and going, wow, why, did, why are you being judged? So what have you been doing wrong? How come all these bad things are happening to you? you know, and it may be a situation where Job, where they're just being taught in a lesson. Or Satan is using something to attack them and we then attack them. And we need to be very careful. Our job as Christians is to apply grace and mercy to people and show God's love. God is the judge. If Job's friends had just been loving and kind to him, this whole book would never have been written, number one. <laughs> but they would have been trying to comfort him. Never once, and Job said this at one point, he goes, you are terrible counselors. You have not tried to help me. Never once did any of them say, you know, Job, let me give you let me give you a ram and, and, and three ewes to start your flocks over and we'll I'll loan you a servant because you, your, your health is down. We'll try to get you back up and, and healthy and, and, and get, to, get you some income coming in. None of them ever did that. They're all judging him and saying, you deserve what you have, so we don't, we, we're, we don't even need to help you because you deserve what you're getting. This is almost going into the idea of karma under the... Under the uh, Krishna on, the, on it that when you go through your multiple lives you deserve what you get and if you help somebody that's out of what they're doing you're not helping them you're making their life worse and this is basically what they're doing to Job Job you deserve what you get so we can't help you because you've got you to commit yourself to God and then God can turn around and help you but until you're ready to be to be repent and, and all this then we can't help you and never once do they reach out and say, Job, let us just help you. Let us help you get back on your feet. And that's what Job said. You know, I would have helped you <laughs> in some way. And you've never done this. And uh, there's a song that I listened to that's about Job. And it goes, you know, one of the songs, statements on it is, when you know you are right, you don't have to be kind. This is his friends. They know that they're right, so they don't feel they have to be kind to Job. Because they've already judged him as, as, in, as incompetent and, and evil. And we need to be careful of that. Even if they are 
evil and needing of repentance, we still need to be kind and loving to them uh, because we don't know everything. Now, Jesus could be harsh on people because he knew everything. And even in his harshness, he was loving them because he wanted them to come back. And there is a place where we can say, well, I know that I saw this in your life and I've been praying for you and I want you to, you need to repent of this. But they don't have this with Job because Job doesn't deserve what's going on. They have nothing that they can point out. Well, you know, Job, I saw you <laughs> cheating this guy and cheating this guy. They, you know, and they're struggling themselves. They go, Job, you know, man, we always thought Job was a good guy. We don't know what's going on in Job's life. Why is this all happening to him? Boy, he must be a terrible sinner in, in his secret life. Uh, and that's how they're judging him. And this is a very dangerous place to go when you look at somebody and you start judging them and saying, well, I thought this guy was really good, but man, look at all the bad happening to them. So there must be something really wrong in their life. And that's our human nature to judge like that. And this is what they're doing. Uh, and he goes, for you say, where is the house of the prince and where is the dwelling place of the wicked? In other words, he's saying, you say, where are those that are blessed? And where are those that are wicked? And he's making this diametric of opposites. The, the house of the princes, the ones that are being blessed, and the house of the wicked, he's going, and you have not asked them to go by the way, and you do not know their tokens or their incense or their, their flags. You're going, you're not even talking to them. You're thinking the princes are all blessed, and you're thinking that those that are living in, in, in need and everything are all wicked. And this is a statement that he's making that you go you're not really understanding the heart of the issue you're going by what you think you see and he's struggling himself because he's trying because this is him he's he's understanding that he was the same as them saying he would have judged people by what they had even though he would have been kinder to them he would have still thought they deserved what they had but let me see if i can help them into repentance and help them get back on their feet we can do the right thing and be thinking the wrong thing. And this is what Job is trying to tell them. He goes, we can't do this. You're not even asking them how to, you know, what, what's going on. How he, and he goes, I'm telling you I didn't do anything wrong and you keep telling me that I'm a liar. You're not asking people what's going on. You're making those judgments. And we need to be very careful about that. And then he goes that the wicked is uh, that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction, and they shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. The wicked, and here's where he finally gets down to brass tacks. He's not really understanding, but he understands that there is a time that they will stand before God. He says they will. The wicked is reserved or prepared for the day of destruction and they will be brought or conducted to the day of wrath. We would know this as the white throne judgment. He goes, there will come a day when they will stand before God and be judged. So he, is, he does have, you know, and this is one of the things that's so interesting. When we read the book of Job, the amount of doctrine in here in the book of Job is amazing. We talked about resurrection just a few chapters back. We talked about here he understands that there is a judgment coming for all people. Peter tells us that it is appointed to men once to die and after that the judgment, basically what Job is saying. There's coming a time when they're going to stand before God. They will be conducted to the throne of God to be judged. 
He goes, even when it looks like everything's been good, there will come that time when they will be judged. Who shall declare his way to his face? And who shall repay him for what he hath done? I, I love this one. You know, who shall declare his ways to his face? I can picture that the white throne judgment, people will not be able to say a word. Why? Because God's going to show them every time that they rejected Jesus. They won't have a word to say. And this is what Job is saying. When you stand before God, you won't be able to say anything to him. The doctrines were very well established because God gave the doctrines to Adam and to Noah and to, you know, so these are things that are well established. Most people look at the book of Job and say, well, the doctrines are so well established, it could not have been written at 3500 B.C. Because... We know that those things weren't established, but yet it's very clear that it was very well established. And the people know about it. And every other religion knows about it. And because God established these things to people. And yes, the Holy Spirit would have talked to him as well while he's in the midst of this because he's, he's being reminded of things that he's kind of drifting with through. So yes, there's a little bit of the Holy Spirit speaking through him at this point in time as well. And uh, because he's trying to help he is also helping his friends even though he doesn't know it and when he comes down to it God's going to say pray for them because I'm ready to destroy them and he prays for them so he's helping them God's speaking through him he's trying to still teach them because it, most people believe he was their teacher and instructor and they're the younger guys coming back and criticizing the teacher which is a very dangerous place to be uh, and he goes all of this stuff he goes who shall declare his way to his faith? Who is going to defend himself to God? And who shall repay him for what he has done? Who can pay back God who has everything? And, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing that people somehow think that they can buy their way out of God. They can give him enough to make him happy with us. You know, what can you give God that he needs? You know, all he says when he gives us, says to give him his tithes and offerings is, it's your honor that I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to bless you for doing it. He goes, he doesn't need our money. He could give whatever he wanted. He could, you know, if we needed a bunch of money, he could just make money appear or gold appear, and he doesn't need anything that we give him. He uses us to be able to bless each other through gifts to each other, and then he blesses that gift that's given but he does not need it. You know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hill and hills, and not only does he own the cattle, he owns the hills themselves. You know, he doesn't need anything that we're giving him. It's just our pleasure to serve him. And he says, this is your pleasure. This is your honor to be able to trust me and see me work. And so he's basically saying, who can, who can repay God? Who can give back to God? He says, yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. Now this is the evil. The evil are brought to the grave and they stay in the grave until they are standing at the white throne judgment. Now we are told that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When the, the wicked are dead, they end up in, in hell waiting for the white throne judgment, which is the tomb again. They get to suffer in the holding place until they get sent to the lake of fire. And so he's saying, 
the, the wicked die and they're gone. The clods of the valley shall be sweet to him and every man shall draw after him as there are, were, are innumerably before him. He goes, time goes on. Life goes on. He goes, there's been lots of people before. There'll be lots of people after. When you die, life goes on. And this is kind of an interesting statement because it really is true. You know, all of us have plans. Every single person who has died today, and there's been one every couple seconds, every single person who has died today has plans for tomorrow and probably had plans for this evening and have plans for the rest of the week and they don't mean anything once they're dead. Life continues to go on and people will just keep living life until the, the, final, <laughs> the final one where we all stand before God. But he goes, the clods are sweet. They march on and to him that is drawn, brought to him, there are innumerable after him that you're drawn to death and it keeps going on. People, people will keep living and dying. There'll still be plans. He goes, how then comfort you me in vain? He goes, you know, you're trying to console me and, you're, and then he says very clearly, seeing your answers, there remains falsehood. He goes, Zophar, what you have said is so far off it's nothing but a pack of lies and he's just torn apart so far as answer. You've given a whole bunch of lies. Evil is not always judged. Righteousness is not always blessed, uh, blessed during, during the immediate. He goes, you are just giving me a bunch of empty sounding words. Or we might say platitudes. You know, you've just given me a bunch of platitudes. Have you ever had anybody give you a bunch of platitudes, empty words? You know, oh, don't worry, be happy. All right, why not? <laughs> you know, and even something that can be so innocent to us when we quote scripture to them. You know, God is in control. Sure doesn't seem like it to me. You know, all things work together for good. Well, I don't see how this can be good. It doesn't matter whether we can see that it works for good or that at that time it's going to work for good, but it's also something that is very empty sounding at the moment. God is in control. When my whole life is being turned upside down and I'm being shaken, shaken uh, left and right like a dog having hold of me and trying to, to get rid of me, you know, and it's like, how can God be in control? Everything is out of control. And we need to be careful. And this is where just love comes in. Sometimes we can just cry with somebody because they're going through pain. And we need to be very careful because it is difficult. There, I've come across these people sometimes and it's like, I wish that I could tell you that, you know, all things work together for good and that you'd believe it. But they won't at times. And, you know, it's, it's not worth telling them. It's not worth telling them in the midst of everything being out of control that God is in control. Because then they look at what kind of God is this that's going to put me through this kind of hell? Job is at that point. You know, I love God. I know he's in control, but why is he doing this? How could he be putting me through this much trial and shaking my life and turning it around and probably even looking at the fact that as far as he's concerned, he's never going to have another family and he's got to rebuild his wealth somehow and he doesn't understand how that's going to happen because he's lost everything. And I do feel sorry for his poor wife because she has to have another nine kids. 
in the process of this. But he's going to get back twice as much as he lost, but he does not see this at this moment in time. He does not understand how having nothing, he's going to be blessed with so much. And it never tells us how he got it all back other than God blessed him. All of a sudden, his whole life turned, out, uh, turned around and it is really wonderful when we're walking with God how quickly God turns our upside-down life into a blessing. And it's happened to me when I was fighting with God for over six years and when I finally surrendered, he turned my life around in just no time at all. Job's life is going to turn around, but from the perspective he's at right now, it looks like there's no way it can be turned around and I don't know how long it's going to take me to recover everything. But when God brings his blessings in, everything turns around in just a heartbeat. And Job is somewhat understanding that, but not fully understanding that at this point. And all he knows is he's got a bunch of people that keep telling him all kinds of empty words that aren't even true. You know, Zophar's words had some truth in it, but not completely true. And he's lining out all kinds of reasons why, you know, Zophar, you know, you're not even close to right. He goes, I understand that God blesses, but, you know, it seems like these guys are not obeying God or being blessed, and they're telling God that they have no interest in him whatsoever, and they still appear to be blessed. You know, he doesn't put appeared, but he goes, they're still blessed. See, and in your answers, there remains, a fault, remain, remains falsehood. So I think he's saying there's some truth, some not truth. You know, and, and when you read Zophar's arguments, a lot of it sounds truthful, and there are a lot of doctrine in what he says. But he wasn't taking it to the full length. Then this is where Job's saying, at the end, Job's agreeing with him. Yes, I know that there's a final judgment that they're going to stand before. But it sure doesn't look like they're suffering here on this earth. And I know that I don't deserve it and I'm not being blessed here on this earth, but there is a judgment where I will be blessed. But he's, he's still struggling. He knows that there's a future judgment where everything, where the books will be corrected. And there will be this long term, because you know, he did say he understood that there was a resurrection to come and that he would see his Redeemer and that his Redeemer lives and all these things. He understands, and yet he's in the midst of it. And this is why we need to be careful when somebody is suffering, especially a Christian, we cannot be judging them for their lack of faith, their lack of doctrine, their lack of belief, because when we're in the middle of a trial, that trial is designed to say, do you believe what you know? And I've said this over and over again, and I love it, and I don't know if it's original from Chuck Smith, but he's the one I heard it from. Don't forget in the darkness what you learned in the light. And yet, in the darkness, that is when God is tra- teaching us, do you believe what you learned? Job is being challenged with this. Do you believe all these things that he's been saying? And at the moment, he's struggling with, I don't, I'm not sure that I believe everything that I thought I believed. And some of what he believed wasn't right in the first place, and he's got to throw it out. And he's being challenged. Do you believe that there's a judgment to follow? Do you believe that there's a righteous God who's in control? And Job is suffering and struggling with this and, and battling with this. And this is why I say, even when I struggle and have bad things happen to me, there are times when I look at God and go, God, I know that all things work together for good, but I do not see how this can be for good. 
And I've given that statement to God many times and go, God, I am trusting that it's going to be for good, but man, I don't understand how any of this can be for good. This is what Job has basically just said right now. I don't understand how any of this is ever going to work out. I don't understand how they're going to be judged, but God, I do trust that you're in charge and that there is a judgment to come. And this is the understanding that he has, that yes, there's got to be something. I don't understand it. Now, he doesn't have the truth that we have. Romans 8, 28 hasn't been written yet in his day, but he does understand the basics of it, that God is in charge and God has got a plan and there is going to be a judgment, but he's still struggling with it. And he's having a hard time with it and his friends are not helping him. They're not, they haven't even begun to, be, to say, God, God has something out there. We don't know what it is, but God has something out there. And that's about all we can really do for somebody who's struggling. I don't know what God's trying to teach you, but I know that he's got some kind of plan. You know, and you are loved. We don't see any of them, them saying that you are loved, that we care about you. They're all telling him, you're, Job, you must have some bad secret sin in your life and you know, just admit what it is and get it over with and then God can bless you again. They are not coming in and saying, Job, we love you in spite of what you have, might have done or not done. We still care about you and we're going to help you. Never did they have any kind of love like that toward, being shown toward him. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we go about your, your business. Help us learn to love others. Help us learn to follow and be kind and show your love to others and not be judgmental. And know that you always have a plan and that you will fulfill your plan in the long run. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9 through 8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 
8631.